Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Blue Water Climate Control Podcast. Glad to have you along on this Tuesday with Rob Lewis and Ben McKee. I'm Brent Hubbs. Austin Price is on a little uh, family time vacation. So Ben's stepping in for him uh, on this Tuesday edition. Plenty to get to. Again, want to thank our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control for all of your air conditioning needs. Well, you need to call Blue Water Climate Control. They're going to take care of you. Whether you need a clean out, whether you need a repair of your system, uh, whether you just need a tune-up of your system, whatever they need, whatever you need, they can take care of it for you at Blue Water Climate Control. They're going to do the right repair the right way the first time. That's what they stand for at Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. Give them a buzz, 865-299-2290. All right, guys, plenty to get to. It's been a busy uh, run here for Tennessee on the recruiting trail. The volunteers picking up three commitments since we last did a podcast. Let's start first. Uh, ben with, with Squirrel White and uh, what is Tennessee getting uh, in in that athlete from Alabama? What do you like about Squirrel? That he can run. Uh, he is a blazer. Uh, claims to have run a forty. I think he said four three seven is what he claims, uh, and, and that was a hand time, so not a laser. Uh, but point being, he can run, and I, I think it was a ten point six one in the one hundred meters. So. Uh, Tennessee needs speed. They need more Jalen Hyatts, and and that's exactly uh, what Squirrel White is. And uh, I, I thought Austin's note in the war room on Friday about Alabama's interest in Squirrel uh, was was very telling. And uh, sure, Alabama didn't decide to take Squirrel, but I think it's very telling of of what they think of Squirrel uh, that maybe he was number two in line for for their slot receiver. So. Um, I, I know you maybe don't want to settle for, for Alabama's scrappy seconds, but uh, if you're Tennessee, given the current circumstances, how, how could you not? So uh, I think that was a great endorsement for the type of player that uh, Tennessee is getting. And I know there's been a lot of three-star jokes throughout social media and the message boards, but I think he's going to far outplay a, a three-star uh, ranking. Uh, but the guy can run, and Tennessee needs all the speed that it can get right now. Rob, as a, as a Vol Network, Vol Network veteran, is he is he going to be known as Marcarius or Squirrel on game days? Do you think? Uh, I think that'll be whatever whatever he wants to be known as. If his mama wants him to be known as Squirrel, we'll call him Squirrel. If it's uh, if she doesn't want him to be called Squirrel, then we won't call him Squirrel. So uh, you know, but um, David Cutcliffe said it best years ago to me when I was first getting into the business. He said, "Speed never had a bad day, Rob Lewis." and I think when you look at Tennessee's roster um, and I think you look at what Tennessee's trying to target, um, upgrading in speed across the board is something that uh, they want to be about, not only just on offense, but I think on the defensive side of the ball as well. I do think it's going to be fascinating to see how many receivers they end up taking in this class. Uh, Obviously, they picked up uh, Cameron Miller. You know, Isaiah Horton's going to do something, I think, at the end of the month, and Tennessee seems to be in a good sh- good shape there. That's three receivers. Then, then do they go Caden Pope as a fourth receiver and, and, and get another in-state kid, or, or what do they do uh, at the receiver spot? I originally thought they were going to take three, but, Rob, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it were four. Um, and it's interesting because Squirrel White's a guy that a month ago did not seem to be much on Tennessee's radar at all, and um, – things just kind of fell into place for Tennessee there. So um, we'll see what, whether or not Tennessee goes with, I mean, with four receivers in this class or not. 
I mean, I think you're going to have to have a quarterback to, you know, to draw him in, which Tennessee does with, with Jackson. But I think looking at the numbers from UCF, recruiting receivers is going to be the easiest job on this staff, I think. I mean, they had, you know, even playing an abbreviated, abbreviated season last year, they had three guys that averaged, you know, right at over 55 yards per game receiving one guy that cracked a thousand in, in, in just eight games. And, um, a lot of guys catch balls. I mean, they had two two dudes that caught more than that caught fifty plus. I mean, how long has it been since this, that, that's happened here? I mean, ages. And so, I, yeah, I think I think recruit receiver is going to be a pretty easy sell once Hype will get some of this offense on tape. Yep, if you get a quarterback who can who can deliver the ball, there's no question what they want to do, and uh, they want to push it down the field. And to do that, you've got to have some speed, and that's something that that White brings to the table. And then. You've got Cameron Miller who commits um, on Monday, and, and that's not a surprise that, that he committed to, to Tennessee. I, I don't think Tennessee had been trending there for a while, but a different type player when you talk about the size that he brings to the table. Not to say he can't run, but he, he doesn't run like Squirrel White runs, but, but he brings a different dimension because he brings some physicality and some size to the table uh, with, with Tennessee there. And I just think uh, Rob, for, for Josh Heupel, that one was big because you, you got to try to plant a flag in the state of Tennessee somewhere. If you're going to do the Tennessee takeover and, you know, I get some of these guys that maybe you're, you're not as high on and uh, maybe you're not pushing as hard for some of those. But if you're going to talk about winning in the state of Tennessee and recruiting, at some point in time, you got to plant a flag with a pretty big name. And, and I think they've done that with Cameron Miller. So I, yeah. I thought that was a significant get for Tennessee. And, and not just in-state alone, but also add the caveat in there in Memphis, which has always been, you know, a tricky spot for Tennessee to recruit. Just, you know, it's not groundbreaking news, but just the way the state's laid out. I mean, help, you can get to more than half, half the SEC quicker than you can get to Knoxville if you're a Memphis prospect. Memphis is always going to have talent and, um, you know, pulling – a kid like Cameron across the state out of that, you know, out of the particular territory is really big for this staff. And it's yeah. a guy with a ton of, you know, STC opportunities too. It wasn't like, you know, Tennessee plucked some kid that they were recruiting against very Vanderbilt, Alabama, Birmingham. Yeah, no, I mean, he certainly had opportunities to, to go plenty of places. And, and again, I mean, you got to plant that flag and you need a guy to have some success. And I think Cameron Miller has got a lot of the tools that you need to have success on the field and off the field. Um, if you spend any time with Cameron Miller, really, really solid guy, a really smart guy who, who I think is going to represent Memphis for Tennessee. Well, and, and give, and give um, a, a bit of a, a branding, if you will, for Tennessee and the city of Memphis, which as you mentioned, Rob is important. Yeah, and I was another thing is a guy that play, plays for his plays for his father in high school. I mean, and the reason I bring that up is, you know, that was an informed decision that was being made there. I mean, that this wasn't some you know seventeen year old kid that's on his own or maybe leaning on on you know his high school coach or seven on seven coach. This is a this is a high school. The father's a high school coach that you know looked at things very closely and was real comfortable with this coaching staff and with his son being in this program. Yep, that's a good point. Um, not just does Tennessee know a lot about Cameron Miller, but Cameron Miller, uh, Ben should should have a great understanding and feel for for what you know this Tennessee staff is about because his dad is a veteran high school coach. 
who sent many a players to college football. So he knows what he's looking for in recruiting. And you know, as Rob mentioned, he, he invested heavily in this because it's his kid. Absolutely. And you mentioned, Brent, if, if you talk to, to Cameron or uh, just spend a couple of minutes with him, you can kind of see that he's a, a great kid and uh, was brought up well. And you spend that same amount of time speaking to his dad and you see where he gets it from. Uh, th those two are, are very similar. And uh, I think that's going to, quite frankly, lead to Tennessee having somebody that they can rely on in the receiver room, a, a Swiss Army Knight. Uh, he's bigger than Squirrel. Squirrel's, I think, listed at 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, um, so he, he may be more of the traditional slot guy, but Cam's 6'1", 6'2"-ish. Uh, so he's a bigger guy and, uh, again, more that Swiss Army knife that he can line up outside, and he probably will most of the time, but he can line up uh, inside as well. He can take jet sweeps. He can return kicks. He can, can kind of do it all. And uh, I think he's going to be a, a really reliable receiver for Tennessee and just to kind of uh, hit again on what you and Rob were talking about. I, I just think it's significant uh, because he's, a, he's an in-state kid. You, you've you lost – it looks like you've lost Barryon Brown, uh, a big-time in-state receiver that's similar. Uh, you had Jordan James go elsewhere. The, the Tennessee takeover uh, hasn't really gone according to plan, and I don't think that's really all Josh Heupel's fault, uh, just kind of a product of, of the circumstances. But to be able to, to lock somebody down who is in the state of – or the city of Memphis, like Rob mentioned, I think it's big. And, and I also think it's big um, to, to really show that the month of June is paying off. And great point. Brody Foley made this comment. It's kind of the comment that circled, circled social media and the message boards that he thought that uh, July was really going to show that Tennessee had been recruiting well. And now you look up and, and Tennessee has five commitments from high schoolers in 12 days and six, if you add, Brandon Turnage, the Alabama defensive back that transferred to Tennessee. So uh, Cam Miller's the first four-star if you look at the recruiting rankings. But uh, I, I think you can really see that the month of June, uh, and with Cam Miller in particular, I mean, that, that was a guy that Josh Heupel kind of took over his recruitment uh, personally. And uh, that relationship was big for Cam Miller and, and why he picked Tennessee. So uh, you're starting to see June really pay off for Tennessee, and, and there were some question marks about that at the end of June. It's a great point. And one final thought from me on, on Cam Miller uh, as we as we head on elsewhere in recruiting uh, is I, I'm going to be really interested to see what his body does uh, when he gets to Tennessee. And, and that's no offense to to Memphis, but that's no offense to the. Uh, arts and sciences high school that he goes to but at Austin and I stopped at that school that is not a, a school that's got great facilities it's not a school that's got an indoor complex and it's not you know big weight room and and all those things that you see in in some other states and and some other places even in the state of Tennessee so what does his body do when he gets into a legitimate um workout routine at, at a place that's got state-of-the-art facilities and nutrition and, and all those things. I, I think it's going to be really kind of fun to watch his physical development because he's got size, but, but how he tones some of that and changes some of that, I think he's going to be a guy who gets faster. Um, I mean, he's not going to get, you know, blazing fast, but I think he's a guy who will get quicker and get faster with some, you know, training and, and, and having some of the resources that, quite frankly, he's just not had during his time uh, out in high school in Memphis where, where he's at and where he's a part of. So 
uh, that, that'll be another side of that to watch as well. Uh, the, the other commitment that Tennessee has gotten since uh, we last did a podcast uh, was big body, Rob. And, and when you talk about, you know, needs, that this team needs speed, this team needs big bodies, this team has needs all over the place. And you look at Mo Clipper from down in Georgia, I, I think going and getting a big body in Georgia that other SEC schools were, were heavily involved in and, and were a part of, uh, I think that's another June dividend for Tennessee. And, and obviously they put their best foot forward uh, with Mo. He was up here for the spring game, liked it, wanted to bring his parents back. And, and Tennessee had a great official visit with the parents and he was ready to be done quickly. I, I think this is a big interior body uh, that you can build some things around when you talk about what he looks like on the offensive line. Yeah. And I don't think he's as much of a developmental guy as, as the other two as, as Reddick or a, uh, or Grant is. I mean, both those guys, I think, are you know two seventy five, two eighty range. Definitely, and certainly in Grant's case, at six foot seven or eight, I mean, two guys are going to have to add some weight. Whereas, you know, Clipper may need to reshape his body some, but you you know you're not you're not worried about mass with him. I mean, like if, if you if you see him, you met him, he you know he looks like what you expect an SEC offensive lineman to look like going into his senior year of high school. Yeah, big body who who had a Bama offer. Now, could he commit to Bama right out of the gate right now? I don't know about that, but certainly a guy who, much like Squirrel White, was well up on on Alabama's board. Um, what was you know was he a takeover? Some of the five stars around the country that they might be involved in. I don't know about that, Ben. But but he's a guy that SEC schools clearly liked and, and clearly had on their radar. And Tennessee in a year where they're taking a good number of offensive linemen. Getting a guy that the SEC had had interest in, I think, is is obviously a good get. Now you want to pair that with a guy like Addison Nichols. You want to continue in recruiting, uh, but to, to get a big interior body, I think, was a priority for Tennessee when you're considering they're going to take as many as four or, or even five offensive linemen in this class. I think probably four. Absolutely, uh, I, I like Mo Clipper. He he kind of reminds me of uh, Squirrel White, not obviously in terms of how they play football, but just in terms of I think he really has the potential to outplay his his ranking. I, I think he's going to be a, a much better player for Tennessee than than what his ranking indicates. And it seems like uh, the difference in maybe where Bo Clippers at and and some of the top guys is that he doesn't have the nasty Trey Smith, Cade Mays type of finishes. And I I can understand why that may uh, alarm some people, but uh, I I don't think you need that per se in, in this this offense with Josh Heifel trying to emphasize getting the football out of the quarterback's hand uh, as quickly as he does. You don't, you don't need those nasty finishes uh, to be effective. And I also don't think that means that Mo Clipper um, struggles with his motor or, or anything like that. Uh, he, he's just an efficient tackler and really what lights up on, on the recruiting trail when uh, determining, you know, how a player projects is, is those nasty finishes. You see them in camps, you see them in high school, films all the time so uh, I think he's a really nice pickup for for Tennessee and uh, Georgia offered Michigan offered Auburn uh, who knows how committable those offers were he, he did claim that he was picking Tennessee over uh, I believe it was Georgia Virginia Tech and, and Louisville uh, Georgia not Georgia Tech but Virginia Tech uh, Virginia Tech and Louisville much different than Georgia uh, so you do wonder how committable that offer was but uh, he's a guy that Tennessee is is really high on and a, a player that they think can can really translate well to the different schemes that that they run. So 
I think it's a really nice pickup. And all of a sudden, Tennessee's offensive line class is, is starting to shape up uh, really well, just like Tennessee's receiver class is. Uh, if, if you can go out and get Isaiah Horton and Caden Pope to, to round out that receiver class, then I, I think that's a really strong receiver class. And, and same with the offensive line. Uh, you have Mo Clipper, you have Masai Reddick, Brian Grant, and then you go in and, and you add Addison Nichols. I think that's a really strong uh, opening offensive line recruiting class for Glenn Ellerby. Yeah, and I think you said it a couple of times. I think it's a great point. Um, the bottom line, Rob, with Tennessee's recruiting in year one, their evaluations have to be better than the rankings in, in a lot of cases. that They have to have players who outplay uh, their stars, if you will. Um, and, and that's what Tennessee is banking on. And that's what Tennessee is trusting. There's no, there's no doubt that the star system is by no means perfect. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that um, there, there's not some legitimate evaluation with guys being done by recruiting analysts out there, but Tennessee's evaluation of players has to stick. You, you got to, you got to win more of those than you lose if you're Tennessee and, uh, you know, particularly on the offensive line through the years, that's Tennessee's made hay there. Tennessee's made hay with, quote, three stars through the years, becoming really good football players and really effective football players. And um, we'll see how these evaluations turn out. But in spending some time with Mo Clipper, I mean, I think he fits the culture. Um, and I think physically he's got the tools that they that they want to to build something off of. And, and, and uh, a guy who can contribute to Tennessee – earlier in his career than I, I'm with you than some of those other guys because of how far along he should be physically. What do you think about this? Do you think that when you're talking about needing to evaluations need to be better than rankings, do you think it's an advantage for this staff that that's pretty much how they've been recruiting for the last three years? I mean, they're trying to find those hidden gems, the guys that, you know, I think they're obviously looking for better prospects now, but kind of to, to be successful at the UCF, level i mean you're, you're not recruiting nobodies but you're trying to find those three stars that maybe the you know florida miami florida state didn't think were good enough and you and, and you're, you're used to looking for those kind of kids who are going to outperform what their expectation what other people's expectations are well i think that i think that's sort of the case i mean i think that's probably the case early on uh you know that that better not be the case in in three years and and i think oh yeah you I mean, guys totally... would agree with that but but early on, when, when you've got the NCAA stuff hanging over your head, you're coming off three and seven, um, you know, you, you, got a, you got a lot of things going on there that, um, you know, is a situation where it's, it's, it's hard to walk into a house. I mean, look, I, I think Jerry Mack's done a hell of a job with Branson Robinson. I, I don't know that you can recruit Branson Robinson any better than Jerry Mack has. Is it enough for Branson Robinson to say no to Georgia? That's a hard win for where Tennessee is right now. I know that's not what everybody wants to hear, but that's a hard win. Um, I, I think when you look at what established Rick Barnes's program, Rob, you would know this better than anybody, that they, they signed a couple of kids in particular who outplayed their rankings. And because of that, it put them in the, in the stratosphere that they can go out now and recruit those kids with the lofty rankings, which was hard <laughs> for them to do right out of the gate. Well, it's impossible for them to do. I mean, there's, you know, they, they didn't have a chance. I mean, you, I mean, it, it, this is take nothing away from Rick and his staff and, and Desmond Oliver, you know, recruited Grant Williams, evaluated him, was recruiting him at Charlotte. But I mean, how much of the success Tennessee has had here basketball wise with Rick, can you trace back to a kid who had no other power five offers was going to go to Yale, pick Tennessee instead of going to Yale and was a two-time SEC player of the year. 
<laughs> I mean, I know we all know it and talk about it, but I don't know if you can really, I don't know if it's really gotten its due for just how bizarre and unlikely that whole turn of events was. Well, and it, I mean, you can't sit here and say that, you know, okay, that's the model, right? Okay. That's the model you got to do. You got to go find a three-star who becomes, you know, the two-time player of the year in the conference. If you're Josh Heupel, that, that's, you know, that's not what it's about, no, but, it's, it, but it's about, it is about signing a guy who some teams probably passed on or signing enough guys who teams in this league passed on that would like to have had. Okay. I mean, Butch Jones's best example of that is Josh Dobbs. That they beat out Arizona State for Josh Dobbs. You know, and the reason they beat out Arizona State was the engineering program at Tennessee, Ben, and the fact that it was, you know, three hours from the house instead of three time zones from the house. Uh, but but look at where it put it gave Butch Jones a chance to be successful. Now he didn't take full advantage of it, obviously. That's why he's no longer here. But but you gotta hit on several guys like that early on if you're Josh Heupel. And that's the key to this recruiting class, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was easier for Rick Barnes to do it with with Grant Williams because there's five players on the floor. And with Dobbs, he was one of 11. Um, so Josh Heupel still has to, to kind of follow that model in the meantime as he begins his uh, tenure at Tennessee. I've, I've been saying that same exact thing for, for months now. Um, you can even relate it to Tony Vitello. In the baseball team, Tony Vitello on one day had five guys drafted in the first 10 rounds, the, the most the program has ever had. And all five guys were guys who weren't recruited heavily, uh, kind of similar to to Grant and Admiral and, and Bowden and Bone and Kyle and Lamonte and, and that crew that uh, they, they went out because of where Tennessee was when Vitello got the job, when, when Barnes got the job had to go out and really rely on their evaluations and, and then their player development and Josh Heupel and on the offensive side of the ball with Alex Golish and uh, on the defensive side with, with Tim Banks and, and those Willie Martinez's and Rodney Garner's, they're, they're really going to have to um, really make sure that their evaluations are on point uh, and, and that their player development, it's going to be just as important as the evaluations because uh, Tennessee's not going to be able to go out and, and land the Branson Robinsons. Maybe maybe Jerry Mack pulls that one off, but uh, they're not going to be able to land a full class of them. E even if they can get Branson Robinson, they're not going to be able to get a bunch of Branson Robinsons. They have to build up the program to a point like Rick Barnes has, like Tony Vitello has, in which they can go out and then get the full class loads uh, of those those elite players I mean if you if you read what Rob has in the war room and just updates on the board I mean Rick Barnes is turning down like top 50 players it seems top 75 players uh so you have to reach that point by by what you do early in your tenure and that's making sure that you hit on your evaluations and uh, making sure your player development is where it needs to be all right. Speaking of baseball, you brought up Tony Vitello. You brought up the baseball draft. Can, can you put into summary, I mean, did, did that go according to script for Tony Vitello? Was there major curveballs there uh, with, with, with the draft, both for, for high school prospects that, that they have, you know, signed for, as well as the, you know, guys who are, who are not going to come back to the program that were, that were drafted. Were there any, Anything that really surprised you out of that, that you were like, wow, I didn't see that one coming, good or bad? I, I think in totality, it went fairly fine. 
uh, and, and fairly as expected. Now, and what I mean by that is that you knew that you were going to have some curveballs thrown at you, but you also knew that there were going to be some things that, that go your way. So that's what I mean by in totality, it, it went fairly fine. Now, when you break it down individually, there were a couple of curveballs and then uh, there, there was a, a big Drew Gilbert walk-off grand slam with, with being able to land Chase Burns on campus. To me, that was the headline of the draft for Tennessee. Chase Burns, a, a big-time pitcher out of the mid-state, uh, went to Peach uh, from Gallatin and uh, can touch triple digits on, on a pretty regular basis. He's the next Blade Tidwell. Uh, he, he should come in and have the same impact that Blade Tidwell did this, this past season. Uh, and he was going into the draft looking for first round money and uh, teams weren't willing to to bite. And now he's coming to Tennessee because uh, he couldn't get that first round money. And he's banking on, pun intended, uh, Frank Anderson developing him into a, a top 10, top 15 pitcher, which is what it appears Blake Tidwell is, is going to be. Uh, Blake Tidwell was in that same boat of where if money didn't matter, he'd be a second, third round pick out of high school. But if if you go to college and develop under Frank Anderson, then you're going to be a top 15 pick and, and sign for $6 million, just a, a bonus. So uh, Chase Burns is, is following that path. And to me, that was the, the headline of the day and getting him to campus just because the SEC, if you're going to be successful, you have to have pitching and Chase Burns is a big time prospect. So again, that was a headline. And then the, the next headline was Ryan Spikes, the, the shortstop from, the Atlanta area, uh, he was a guy that went into the draft looking for first round, second round type of money. And it was looking good for Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee survived the first and second round without Ryan Spikes being drafted. And then all of a sudden, towards the, the third round, I think he was exactly the 100th pick, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays drafted him. And, yeah, you made it through the first and second round if you're Tennessee. But I think Tennessee's concerned about – the, the Rays uh, overspending uh, for that third pick and essentially buying Ryan Spikes uh, out of his commitment from Tennessee. So uh, that would be a big loss for Tennessee. Liam Spence gets drafted in the fifth round by the Cubs. And so you're not returning a, a shortstop. Uh, you return Logan Steenstra, but you don't even know if he's a traditional shortstop. He may play first base. You don't have a, a definitive shortstop in, in, in waiting. So, he was thought to be a guy that could start as a freshman and uh, the coaching staff is, is really high on him uh, to the point to where they, they think he has national player of the year type potential, um, not just SEC player of the year. So uh, that that's a big question mark moving forward. It, it doesn't look like they'll, they'll be able to get him on campus. I, I just have a hard time believing that the, the Tampa Bay Ray is a team that drafts really well uh, because they don't have a big payroll. They, they make their living on their minor league organizations and, I have a hard time believing that a, a team like the Rays would would take a kid in the third round that's not actually going to make it uh, to the professional ranks and a kid that wouldn't sign. So that was the other big question mark. And then another one was Dayton Dooney, uh, a JUCO guy um, who Tennessee was feeling good about going into the draft, but he gets picked up in the sixth round by the Royals. Um, that, that could signal bad news for Tennessee. Uh, and then in terms of good news up the middle, they had Seth Stevenson, a uh, Juco guy. Uh, the thought was that he would be a, a top five round guy uh, and he didn't get drafted at all. 
So it looks like he he is trending towards making it to campus, and and he could be the starting shortstop if if Ryan Spikes doesn't make it. They would have competed for the job anyways. Uh, and then uh, Christian Moore is a shortstop out of Brooklyn, uh, who was thought to be drafted and seemed content on just turning pro, uh, and he was not drafted. So um, a mixed bag of results for Tennessee in terms of signees. Um, those are the the only signees that were drafted. Brady House goes 11 overall to the Nationals, but there were, there was zero chance of him making it to campus. And then uh, you had the five current guys uh, drafted. Pavoloni went to the Orioles in the, the seventh round. Uh, you had Chad Dallas go to the Blue Jays in the fourth. Um, Max Ferguson to the Padres in the fifth. And Jake Rucker to the Twins in the seventh. So uh, overall, a good day for Tennessee. All right. Much better than Florida. Yeah. Yes, Florida Florida had a, a rough day. Did we, say, any of those surprises that those guys went that high? No, not not where not where they were drafted. The 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 spike situation was surprising just because you thought Tennessee was in the clear with him not going in the first or second round. Um, but he's a guy who went to the combine a couple of weeks ago and, and performed really well. And his his stock has been skyrocketing. So not surprised that he got drafted that high, but Tennessee felt like he was kind of in the clear there. No, I was saying, were they those Florida guy surprises? Oh, you Florida guys? that a lot closer to that? I didn't know if that was a gut punch for them or if it was kind of expected. The the one that was surprising was Judd Fabian, uh, their starting center fielder, a guy who hit over 20 home runs this past season. Uh, they thought he was going to be a first-round pick. He doesn't go in the first round on Sunday night, and the thought is that, okay, maybe he, he comes back to school, which would be big for Florida. But then he went to the Red Sox within the first couple of picks, and, and looks like he's going – to sign so they had three signees drafted in in the first round as expected so not I mean kind of a gut punch but they they knew it was coming but the big one was was Judd Fabian they they thought they were going to lose him and they thought they were going to get him back and now it looks like they're actually going to lose him back to Tennessee as we wrap up baseball here before we hit a couple of quick hoop things before we get out the door any chance anybody returns to this roster that you did not see returning I'm sure everybody drafted is going to go. Um, anybody left to get drafted, anybody you're keeping an eye on that says, hey, maybe he's not going high enough. Maybe there's a chance he comes back because they got the COVID year or there's another year availability for them. Is there anybody out there that would be key for Tennessee? Yeah, there, there's a couple of names to watch. The The five guys that got drafted on Monday, uh, they'll they'll all sign and they won't be returning to school. Um, but the, the names to watch uh, this afternoon, rounds 10 through 20, which will finish up the draft, uh, you're, you're looking for Sean Hundley, Tennessee's top bullpen arm. He's a guy that he, you don't know how his stuff will translate uh, to the professional ranks. Uh, he'll definitely get an opportunity, but is, is he drafted high enough to where it makes sense to, to turn professional? So that, that's obviously a big one. Uh, to watch uh, Luke Lipsius, the, the first baseman, the only infielder who hasn't been drafted yet. Uh, I don't know that he will get drafted, but he's he's somebody who hit 15 home runs, which tied for the team lead. He only had a 240 batting average, but uh, he led the team in hard contact rating. Uh, and in today's day and age of analytics, uh, teams are going to, to drool over that. So I could see Luke Lipsius uh, signing an undrafted free agent deal. And that would make sense for him. He came in several years ago and injuries, the, the COVID season hasn't really been able to play a full season until this year. Uh, so Luke Lipschius, uh, Sean Hunley, and then Jackson Leith is, is the big one. He, he's a guy that 
last draft could have been a, a second, third round pick, uh, a hard throwing guy that Tennessee signed out of JUCO and obviously did not have 2020 season because of COVID canceling it uh, and came back in hopes of being a first round pick um, and tore his hamstring off the bone and ending into to the season. So uh, didn't play this past season due to injury and he would have been Tennessee's best pitcher uh, this season. And Lord knows what Tennessee would have done with his arm. Uh, if he were healthy, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. I think he's gone just because he's older guy uh, and, and just kind of time to move on and, and get his money, but he's another na name to keep an eye on. All right. We'll keep an eye on those uh, three names in particular coming up uh, later this afternoon in the final rounds of the major league baseball draft. All right, quickly, Rob on the hoops front, uh, July is an interesting month because you can get out now, right? You can see some guys in some camps, uh, but you don't bring anybody in for visits. Tennessee kind of resetting the clock uh, for some official visits in the fall. What, what's the very latest in hoops recruiting? I mean, just I think for Tennessee right now, and unless you know, unless they see something they really don't like from a 22 kid, whether in terms of you know attitude or just performance evaluation, the 22 board seems pretty set to me. Now, I'm not saying I mean they they might see somebody that they love, fall in love with, and throw out an offer, but generally under Rick. I mean, and COVID made it a different kind of year, but that's not how they've rolled. I mean, there's really not been many guys that popped up on the radar in July that you haven't heard of before that, that Tennessee was serious players for. Now, again, COVID year, throw an asterisk on that. I wouldn't rule, rule out the possibility that that, that that does happen and a name or two pops up um, that we haven't heard about, heard them, you know, or we haven't written about. I think for, for this staff, the way they recruit ahead, and I give Mike Schwartz a lot of credit for this because he is a really organized and meticulous dude. Um, that, that I think they've gotten, they've gotten established to the point now where they almost recruit a year ahead in terms of their evaluations. So I think July for, for this staff is bigger for the 23 kids. You know, we've written about a lot of guys that they've thrown, or, you know, thrown early quote-unquote offers out there too. I think that for, for this staff, other than showing up and making sure that some of the 22 kids see, you know, Coach Barnes at their games and, you know, hey, Tennessee's really interested in me. I think it's bigger for them to kind of maybe get a more firm evaluation on all those 23 kids who they have, um, you know, kind of got involved with or, or reached out to early when they could in June. And ready to get Kennedy Chandler back on campus and, and, and double check everything there because that was obviously a, a scary moment and a scary thought because that would change Tennessee's fortunes a lot if he were, if he were not able to go. Thankfully, he seems to be fine. But you know, yeah, that's one of those. Day. Yeah, that's one of those catch twenty twos, right? When you you know it's great to go play in those things, and then you you know you fear something like that happening, and and you you have a near you know you have a scare like that. So um, uh, thankfully, he's going to be all right. But he certainly can play with anybody. It, it was. If you watched any of that, you know he can play with anybody, right, Rob? Yeah, I mean, and you knew that before. I think the bigger benefit for Kennedy, I mean, frankly, I mean, Kennedy probably plays in, in pickup games in Memphis with Grizzlies guys in the you know in the summertime where there's more talent. I think the bigger thing for Kennedy was to play on that kind of stage with those kind of stakes. You know, you're representing your country. Um, it's you know, it's a big deal. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, I think that's. I think that's where the benefit is. It's, I mean, it's not the same environment. It's not the same atmosphere as 24,000 hostile fans in Rupp Arena, but I think it's the same kind of pressure. I mean, you feel that when you're representing your country, you're, you're behind by five points to France in the fourth quarter and, you know, you don't want to go home with, with, 
with a silver silver medal. And I think that's a lot more, even if you're playing against John Morant and, you know, some pickup game in, in July in Memphis, I think that's, I think what he just went through this past couple of weeks was more pressure. Yep. And uh, he'll be back to campus and uh, we'll start to continue on with, or we'll continue on with what's obviously been a, a very nice start to his off season program at Tennessee. When you talk to people over there, there's plenty of people in love with what they've seen out of him to, to this point, for sure. Including some people who normally don't hand out compliments. Very yeah. <laughs> some people who aren't very happy uh, or don't hand out those those votes of praises are certainly willing to, to throw out praise towards Kennedy Chandler. So we'll have more basketball news for you in the coming weeks. We'll continue with our um, season outlook, our opponent previews. We've got positional previews coming up in just a few days as well and continue to track Tennessee and football recruiting. Can they stay hot in the month of July? That's all coming up at ballquest.com. That's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the Blue Water Climate Control ballquest.com podcast. For Ben McKee and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.